description is to, to spend time praying over and uh, dissecting God's word and bringing that to you. But occasionally we have an opportunity for those in our congregation members. In this case, uh, James is a deacon. Him and Allison serve as deacons of uh, racial reconciliation. James Picasso. He's a big shot tech consultant uh, during the week in his normal job, but he also serves you as a deacon uh, throughout the week. He prays for you and labors to help you in the work of reconciliation and help, help all of us build this as his church. And so um, we occasionally get to hear from these gifted members, and so James has taken his time over the last several weeks to prepare here and continue us in our series on the spiritual building. So uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy to show double honor to those who prepare the word, and so let's show some crazy, ridiculous double honor. Morning, everybody. So excited to be in front of you guys today. Um, we've been going through a series called Practicing the Way of Jesus, and, and right now we're at the tail end of our intro. Uh, we're going to talk this morning about doing what Jesus did. Uh, the tagline for our um, series has been practicing the way of Jesus together for the life of the world. And that helps us uh, answer this question. How can we practice the extraordinary reality of the presence of God in the midst of ordinary life? This isn't a call to go and do something crazy outside of the natural and normal rhythms uh, of your weeks and, and your days, but very much how do we practice this call in our ordinary life? Specifically, when we talk about doing that, what we as Christians, as followers of Jesus need to understand and trust in is uh, to know what Jesus did, to read what Jesus did, and to use that as our example. Starting there helps us and enables us to be a people who love and serve our city and who can welcome others into a life with God. The first couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Brandon and Pastor Joss talked about learning to be with Jesus and, and starting to become like him, very much examining Jesus' life and examining these examples of who Jesus was and what he came to do. And now, like I said, we're, we're going to start to talk about what we practically go and do as, as missionaries, as, as disciples of Jesus. What do we get to do to participate in this vision of going out into the field and laboring as Jesus uh, had labored. And for me, I'm a type A person. Uh, I'm a very, very much, you give me a list of things to do, I'm going to go do those things. I'm not going to deviate from the plan. Um, and, and when we come to messages like this, it's very easy to see this as just a list of rules, to become very legalistic about what it is that Jesus did, and then to go and do likewise. But very much so, we, we need to reject that um, notion, reject that impulse, and instead look at the mission field, look at this call from Jesus, uh, see the picture that he's painting, and to join in that, um, not check off boxes, not, not uh, all right, we, we went and we talked to two people this week, and, and that's what's going to earn my salvation, that's what's going to stamp my discipleship card this week, but very much, how do I make this a pattern of my life. So an understanding and trusting what Jesus did enables us to then do what he did for the life of the world. One of the things uh, I want to make very clear is that Jesus was fully man and fully God. Uh, so there's some things that Jesus did that we just won't be able to do. Jesus was born of a virgin. 
um, that for all of us in here, I'm pretty uh, confident in saying that that's not you. Uh, Jesus studied in the temple at 12 years old. Uh, 12 years old, I was eating gummy bears and playing video games. Um, so I don't know if uh, practicing and, and working out systematic theology at, at 12 uh, is something for us to all uh, follow. And Jesus was spending, you know, 40 days in the wilderness, not eating, not drinking, fasting. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but on a Saturday through uh, the rest of the year, I don't think that that's my normal rhythm to just give up food and, and, and to sit in the wilderness and just pray. There are very much things that Jesus did that we, we can't do. Jesus hasn't called us to, to do and to be blameless and to live a life uh, that we're going to down a cross and, and save uh, the sins of the world. Jesus came in at a very specific mission. We read in Luke uh, 4, chapter 4, he begins to talk about how he came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So in Luke 4, 42 to 44, it says, And when it was day... He departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for a purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus also came to seek and save the lost. And we see that in Luke 5, 31, 32, where it says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was very focused on the mission and very clear about what he came to do. There were moments uh, in his ministry early on where people came to him who were sick, people came to him who needed healing, and very much Jesus stepped with compassion towards those people. But Jesus had a mission, and, and in that, that was a focus. That's why he got up. That's what he uh, called and emulated for his disciples to go do. So if Jesus isn't calling us to walk on water and, and to, uh, to raise uh, uh, ourselves up after three days of being dead, what are the things that Jesus is calling and what are examples that he's given us that we can do? There's a list here. One of the things uh, is praying constantly. Jesus uh, prayed all the time consistently and constantly. In the midst of great popularity, you, know, you can imagine if you were uh, sick and then you get healed and then you tell people and people then come and then they get healed, uh, how, what that would do for a person, right, as Jesus. Uh, and in those moments, Jesus would retreat and he would go pray. He would retreat to desolate places and he would pray. Uh, and seek uh, God's face. He, he healed the sick. Uh, he casted out demons. He taught scripture. Uh, he forgave sins. He called and made disciples. He, he fellowshiped with sinners. He sat, he, he ate, and he drank uh, with people who were lost, right? Very much living out uh, the mission and purpose uh, that he was here to do. Now, these are only a few examples Luke, just like the rest of the Gospels, are chock full of stories uh, and really practical um, accounts of what Jesus was here to do. And as disciples and people who are following Jesus, being privy to see and to understand and to be with him in those moments helped shape the disciples when they were too then sent out. So the disciples were given this clear picture of what it looked like to practice the way of Jesus, to do what he did, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. 
And that kind of forms this pattern of discipleship that we see here. Jesus, uh, in boiling down discipleship, it looks like this, in that Jesus comes to teach. First, again, on mission. He has a specific purpose that, that he came and a reason why he came. He then calls disciples to follow him, inviting the disciples, inviting men into his life close to be with him to where they're not far off and they're just seeing these things, but they're very much experiencing these things with him, seeing him pray earnestly, seeing him heal people and lay hands on the sick, teaching scripture uh, and fellowshipping. And then that he's demonstrating how uh, they should live. Right? So it's not very much I'm standing uh, above you and then sending you out. I'm, I'm here with you in the midst of it. You're with me. You see this. I'm going to demonstrate how you should live and then you should go and live. And out of that comes this adoption of the life of Jesus. So in seeing that, being a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to adopt, I'm going to take that on as I sit under his teaching, under his rule. And then he sends them out. So very much the, the path of discipleship, the pattern of discipleship that Jesus leads somewhere. And we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is, you know, what, what did we sign up for? I was prepping and preparing this. Uh, there's a quote I heard from, from John Mark Homer who says, the end, end goal of this apprenticeship is discipleship with Jesus is to do what he did. Right? It's very much what are we, what did we sign up for? Right? There, there's a reason why um, we're seeing all these things. There's a reason why we're, we're hearing about these, exa- these examples of Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves, in what practical ways are we living out uh, the, disciple, the discipleship that we've been called to, right? Again, not from a place of legalism, not from a place of trying to earn and curry favor with God, but very much what are we being called to do. And to understand that there's a cost to this, Right? So everybody that came and said, hey, God, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, understanding that cost caused people to turn away. We read here, if you have your Bibles open, uh, to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to ask you to jump up uh, to Luke 9, starting at verse 57. And Luke writes this. As they were going along the road, so this is Jesus and his uh, disciples, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you will go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And the reality is, is that if you're concerned about comfort, then following Jesus is going to be very difficult. If you're concerned about following cultural rituals and that being the most important thing in your life, following Jesus is going to be difficult. If you're concerned about what your friends and your family are going to think about you, what your social media followers are going to think about you, what your teachers might think about you, following Jesus is going to be really difficult. Jesus doesn't call us to a life of ease and comfort in this mission. This mission is hard. It's a laborious work. But there's a goal. There's a reason why. Um, he's called us to do this. As I uh, think about, you know, 
this end goal of discipleship and doing what Jesus did. I, I grew up, a lot, of you, a lot of you guys know that, I grew up in church. My parents were really great about making sure that me and my brothers were in church every Sunday. We went to Bible study on Wednesday. We were in choir. We were very much in uh, ministry seemingly all the time. And I never kind of stopped and thought, well, at the end of this, I'm supposed to do something, right? I'm just sitting in here on Sunday mornings. At the end, they're going to actually have me do something. So it wasn't until I went on a crew trip, crew mission trip, as part of a, a college campus. You've probably heard about uh, Crew, uh, a Christian organization. They, they had this mission trip in spring break down in Florida, Panama City Beach, where we would go, we'd hear and learn and, and be taught Jesus, and then also we would share Jesus with uh, college students uh, on the beach, right? So, you know, I, I was all jazzed up to, to go and to learn, and then having never shared my faith before, to, to experience that, um, we, we get down there, and we're with some other campuses, and I was in a group, a couple of people, but specifically when we got sent out, we would get sent out in, in smaller groups. Part of my group was this guy named David and this guy named Andy. Um, they had been to Big Break before. They knew what to expect. I'm looking out at the crowds of people on a beach. I don't know how many of you have uh, been to Florida uh, for spring break, but it's an experience. Um, and, and very much Panama City Beach is, uh, is, a, is an experience, and there, there are droves of college kids just, just everywhere. Um, so we stick out and stand out because, one, we are all wearing clothes. Um, so <laughs> immediately they're like, there's something wrong with these people. So uh, we're in a group and we're praying, and we have, uh, we have uh, tools, and, and we know what we, we want to say. We have surveys and we have things. Uh, we pray, and then we break. And Andy and David, I remember this like, like it was yesterday, they run out onto the beach. They run out onto the beach, and they find people, and they just start engaging. They start talking to people. Um, I'm stuck. I'm frozen. Um, it, it was very much in that moment. Up until that moment, I was convinced that, God, I'll follow you wherever you call me to go, right? You, you tell me to go uh, speak your word. You tell me to heal the sick. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Um, but it was a stark reality that here I was, here's the moment, and then it passes. So um, throughout the week, slowly but surely, having conversations with Andy and David about being bold, going back and talking to our group about what it looks like to be confident and, and uh, to live out this mission of Christ, um, led me to three days later, now three days later, where I'm having a conversation with somebody about Jesus, right? Very much uh, not because it was easy, very much not because they were like, all right, James, we're going to you know, make this comfortable for you. But what they did is that they painted this picture, and they said, if you have all of these college students out here who think that this is the good life, you know, this is fleeting. Right? Uh, again, there, there's only so much uh, indulging that you can do at Big Break, and uh, you can do on the beach, and you can do with your friends to be cool, right? And there's an emptiness that gets left. Right? So to be able to bring the gospel of of God to people, the gospel of Christ to people. It was a picture that was painted for me and that led to me, um, you know, eventually getting to the point where I could talk to somebody about Jesus. So when we go to here and we read Luke 10, that's very much what Jesus does. So if we can look at Luke 10 again, 
Starting in verse 1, Luke writes this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Wherever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Wherever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day of Sodom than for those in that town. There's Jesus sending them out, and he's, he's painting this picture of the, this harvest. Um, he, he's not giving them just ideals of, of uh, you know, really nice things that they can go and do. But he's very much using his own experiences of how he too went out, and then calling them to do likewise and do the same under this picture and this vision of uh, bringing people into uh, the fold, into the kingdom of God. So as we look at these a little closer, there are a couple of things we want to press into. One is the mission field, and Jesus describes this as the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Uh, in preparation for this morning, I spent some time um, watching people harvest uh, wheat, which I'm not a farmer, I didn't grow up around uh, wheat. So it was very interesting to see how much work goes into, one, planting the seeds of wheat and then watching it grow and then bringing that in and then uh, grinding and separating and all of this. So he uses this analogy uh, with the mission field that they're going into as to say, this is going to be hard. It's hot. The sun is out. It might rain. You got to move quickly. Um, And there are a few laborers that want to sign up to do this. But there's a lot of harvest that we need to collect and to bring in. Very practically, as we look at uh, what, what we can take part in, it's, it's like um, Soma, Soma Midtown. We've, we've grown, and a lot of people uh, are starting to come. And, you know, we'll say any given Sunday, 70% of the people are here new, right? Uh, we, we send congregations out. People move. We're very young and transient. So there's a harvest here. And there are laborers that are needed to lead discipleship groups, to lead MCs, to bring, that, to bring people together and provide a space for us to learn and to practice the ways of Jesus together. So what would it look like, you know, if we ourselves are looking out uh, at, at Soma and seeing the harvest and praying earnestly to God to say, hey, how, give us a desire to lead and to be and to bring these people together. Which is the same thing uh, that Jesus uh, tells the 72 here, is that he's telling them to pray earnestly to the Lord, that there would be laborers that would go out into the harvest. Jesus constantly and consistently uh, is praying. He, he's, he's retreating and he's praying. He's retreating and he's praying. He's going and he's praying. 
So we need to do likewise because it's not of our own volition. It's not of our own want to know how that we're going to get out and just sign up for uh, the labor and do the hard work. So let's pray for a desire to do that, to sustain us through the work that uh, Christ has called us to. He told them that they're being sent out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And it's very much um, not them uh, as lambs, but this, this example that everybody that they go to, they're not just going to receive them, right? There's going to be opposition. It's going to be hard. They're going to be talked about. They're going to be pursued. And he's letting them know that the, the mission to which I'm calling you, there's going to be danger. But even more so, later uh, uh, in the chapter, Jesus says that the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And if they reject me, they reject the one that's, that sent me. So it's very much this empowering that, hey, even in the midst of danger, I'm with you. Right? In Romans, Paul says that, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through them who loved us. And he goes through a great list of things that can't stand against the spirit and the love of God, the power of God, and in that we have been endowed with and given. So to know that even though there's danger out there, we are more than conquerors. He tells them to be um, urgent, to, to understand the urgency of this mission, to not take uh, knapsacks, to not take sandals, uh, to not take bags. We're not um, you know, leaving a post on the Facebook and say, hey, I'll be back in three months. I'm going to go on a mission field. He, he's telling them to go, just go. Don't spend time greeting people. Um, in, in Jewish culture, greetings were a, a, a very long thing. Um, he says that we don't have time to, to just do things as we would normally do them. We need to go and we need to um, engage in this mission and start to do the hard work. He tells them the fellowship. Twice Jesus in this uh, speech is telling them to eat and drink, uh, which is a great missionary tactic. Uh, if you want to sign up for missions, hey, just go eat and drink with people. Be in relationship with people. Sit across a table, uh, grab coffee, uh, whatever that looks like for you. Jesus was very relational as he pressed into the lives uh, of the sick and the lost and the people that were, he was seeking, people that um, were opposed to Jesus. Right? He sat, and uh, he ate, and he talked to them. So we should go and do likewise. Jesus commands them to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. Um, and later, uh, when the 72 return, and they return with joy, they say that Jesus, even the demons are uh, afraid of you, and they bow to your name. They recognize your name and your power. Um, as they were sent out, there were very much moments uh, that people, in the same way that they brought their sick to Jesus, they brought their sick to be healed to the disciples, and they were healed, right? Practically, um, Jesus isn't telling them to go out and be ghostbusters, right? And I would put that to you. It's not like, all right, let's go out there. We're going to, like, take care of some ghosts. We're going to knock out some demons. That's what's going to happen at Butler's campus. Uh, I don't think that that's, like, the call for us this morning. Um, but very much in the moment when uh, we have to, uh, pray for the supernatural healing of God to come down to a person? Do we have the faith to do that, right? Do we have the faith to press into that, to, to pray and to earnestly seek God for that? And on the other side, you know, healing could very much be a practical bring somebody suit, right? Bring somebody a blanket. It's very much James 2 where uh, he says faith and works. 
You know, somebody's hungry, just praying for them to be filled without actually providing a way for them to be filled um, is not what we're called to do. So what practically can we be doing uh, to meet the needs of the sick and those uh, that need the kingdom of God? And the last thing he, he ends here is to move on from people who don't receive the message of the kingdom of God. I heard this once that, you know, following, the, the reward for following Jesus is Jesus, right? It's not that uh, we're going to bedazzle you in here, we're not going to uh, Jesus juke you and, and, and get you uh, a condo and get you set up on a seat closer to, to God in heaven if you come into the kingdom now. There's not a special offer that we give you. Um, it's very much, if you don't receive the kingdom of God, he's telling them to move on. Right? It's not on uh, the disciples here to go and to craft the message of God in a way to where people are like, oh, yeah, that's, how, that's what I want to be a part of. It's very much proclaim the kingdom of God, proclaim the truth of God, and then let the Spirit work. Right? Let us be faithful in doing those things and leaving the results up to God. And as I, you know, I, I think about this and uh, I think about how we too can, you know, be engaged in, in this mission. It's, it's getting a picture painted of what it looks like to engage and to go and to take the hill. I played a lot of sports growing up, and we would have, um, you know, moments where we're looking across the opposition, and there's no way that we can beat them. There's no way we can win. We're small. They're big. We're slow. They're fast. Um, and it's, it's very much we need a word. So you're looking around and trying to find somebody that can, you know, hype you up and, and jazz you up. You know, if it's not the music you're listening to, you're like, we need somebody to give a speech. It's very much Vince Lombardi walking in. It's Brad Stevens walking in, giving you a speech to go ahead and go and do wherever that, that thing is. My mom would be uh, the one sometimes where she would be the one giving me the speech, which is its own thing. Um, <laughs> sit me down and it's like, you can do this no matter what. Uh, is against you, you can do this. And it's very much Jesus here saying, I am with you, right? Before uh, Jesus commands the disciples to go out and earnestly pray, he's earnestly praying. Before Jesus is telling them that they're going out as lambs to wolves, he was sent out as a lamb to wolves. Before he told them that they would be rejected, Jesus was rejected. By people who favored him, who loved him, who were part of his hometown and saw him uh, uh, get older, uh, they chased them out of his city, out, out of his hometown. And Jesus said, hey, this is, this is very much what I've experienced, what you've seen me experience. I'm calling you to do this, but you can do this. By my spirit, when you go, it's like I'm going. And if they reject you, they don't accept you, they, they don't accept me. I'm very much hearing that um, at 72, sitting there listening to this, like, yeah, I can do this. I see it, I see it, I can do it. And how encouraging would that be if we put ourselves uh, in, those, in this picture? To hear Jesus say to us, James, you can go, you can do, you can serve, you can show hospitality. You know, to John, you can go and you can do. Be encouraged. And everyone else. Doing what Jesus did, and talk about practicing the life of Jesus, is first recognizing that Jesus endured the worst of what he's called us to do, right? By God's good graces, we're, we're not going to uh, be beaten and then hung on a cross. But Jesus endured that for us. We read that in, in Hebrews 4, 
14 through 16. And the author writes, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Very much, we are not Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to do what he uh, did. But we have an advocate in Jesus that we can go to. and We can say very specifically, I'm struggling here. The Bible says we can go to him. We can draw near to him. And we can find help and receive mercy and grace when we need it. And that's what we need to be reminded of. That the good news of the gospel for us is that Jesus was sent to us to proclaim the kingdom of God. We were the lost, we were the people uh, that were pushing Jesus out, and he still, yet he died for us. And he invites us to, into that life to be reconciled with him, to be reconciled with God, and then to be sent out. Discipleship with Jesus is very much leading to us doing something, and that's doing what he did. And that's what we've been called to. Jesus offered himself as a blameless offering, So when we receive him by grace and faith, we are proclaimed righteous. We take on uh, Jesus' righteousness. And then the power of the Spirit that rests within us, um, we can go and do. It's not of our own doing, right? It's not a a, a level that we achieve. Uh, It's not something that we've earned, Ephesians talks about. It's a gift that's been given to us so that no man can boast. Right? It's not James has reached a certain level, Allison has reached a certain level, Brian has reached a certain level, and now you can go do. No, by accepting Christ, because of his perfect sacrifice, we are able to go into the mission field. So uh, as we come to a close, we just got to pray there. We got to pray that God would uh, send us out to give us hearts and eyes to see the mission, to see the field as Jesus saw it, right? to see the beauty in bringing people into the fold, into the kingdom of God, and that we would be men and women and want to take part in that. Right? That through the, the struggles of getting to that place, that, that college freshman kid that's sitting there who, who thought he was all in, but realizing that he's not and he's struggling with that, that even Jesus is with us right there. And that in time, be it uh, three days, be it three weeks, be it three years, that Jesus isn't going to leave our side. Jesus is going to continue to set the same example for us and enable us to get to a point where we engage in the mission, to go out, to lead, to serve, to show hospitality. But it starts with understanding and trusting and seeing what he did, understanding that it's not of our own will and power that we can make that happen. So if you would, bow your heads with me and and let's pray for boldness to go out into the mission field uh, with our eyes and hearts aligned with Jesus. God, we thank you for for sending Jesus uh, to us. Thank you for for sending uh, your son to to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we should have died, to to rise again. God, to give us uh, a picture, an example of what it is that you're calling us to. Uh, that it's not something that uh, Jesus was unfamiliar with, but very intimately he knew. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes and hearts. You would give us a desire to go uh, into the field of harvest. Lord, that we would labor in that. 
God, that we with boldness and courage would step into that. Lord, even as we struggle to get there, even as we struggle uh, with letting go of comforts, with letting go of rituals, Lord, that we not lose heart uh, in what you've called us to do. God, your word says that you never leave us or forsake us, and I pray that that would be true uh, to us, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't let go of that. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.